0: everybody. I am Glenn Geek from Ocala, Florida.
2: And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for April 14th, episode 1147. Good morning, Horse World.
3: When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned. And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. Let
1: me, let me ride through the wide open country that I love.
0: Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning. We appreciate you being here. And, of course, Karen is here the second Tuesday of every month with our special Endurance episode. Been doing that for a long time now, we really appreciate it, Karen. Uh, before we get started, I want to apologize to everybody for bailing out uh, within about the first five minutes of the show. Yesterday, uh got a call from the doctor's office and had to go to the doctor right then or not go for a couple days. And I really want to knock out this stupid asthma thing I have going on, which is causing me not be able to laugh and talk without coughing. Aww. So when you're, you know, a radio guy, that's kind of important. And then Jamie kept mm-hmm. saying funny things and making me cough. So no <laughs> making me cough today, Karen. No funny things. Okay. No funny. <laughs> uh, no no funny. funny. No funny allowed. Well, we uh, But I uh, wanted to say uh, thank everybody and thank Jennifer and for filling in at the last minute. Really appreciate that as well. Well, Jennifer, what is coming up? we got a full show today.
3: On today's Endurance episode, following a very tasty discussion about a new study on the old habit of feeding wet mash to horses, we'll have a chat with Nicole Chappelle to hear about the 2,400 miles worth of adventures aboard Golden Knight, the one-eyed endurance wonder horse. And then next up, Dr. James Kerr explains what EDPP stands for, and it may very well be the entire realm of horse management boiled down to four letters. So stay tuned for the fray, folks.
0: Well, thank you very much, Jennifer. Appreciate that. Hey, I have a daily winning today. I know we don't usually do those today, Karen, but I have a special one. This is a happy birthday to Christy from the Certified Horsemanship Association who hosts one day a month here on Horses in the Morning. We want to wish her a very happy birthday today. And uh, I think we talk to her next week on Tuesday. So uh, we'll be seeing her then. But I wanted to make sure I got her happy birthday in here because she's one of us.
2: Happy birthday, Christy.
0: Well, Karen, you've had quite the month this month. uh you've been out and about and doing all kinds of things and uh trying to get yourself uh, blown into the ocean and all just all kinds of cool <laughs> stuff
2: i have I've done a couple of endurance rides uh Chief did rides of march in March, obviously, and then in April, uh we did the Nevada derby. I did fifty miles on Bow and fifty miles on chief and the day I rode Chief was the Windy day. And, um, of course, they sent us up over the top of a big mountain in the wind, and it was all I could do to keep from, you know, becoming a kite up there off of the horse. Uh, So it was kind of um, an adventure that day, but it was, you know, as usual, a ton of fun, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Although I did come in off of the first loop and change into winter (laughs) tights. The (laughs) the wind was chilly,
0: huh? Yeah. yeah,
2: it was. It was. And then we did have a couple of cool things to celebrate. It's been over a year now since Bo had his colic surgery. So he's doing great. Yay. And, and Well, obviously, he done.
0: just did a 50, huh? So he's doing he good. He
2: did. He did. And he did a, a 50 at the end of February also. and And he's been getting ridden regularly. And and everything's going good. I've got I sent an entry in for a ride I'm going to do up in Oregon this coming weekend. Hopefully the Grizzly ride, and I hope to ride um, each horse 50 miles up there. And then there's another ride. I think I min- might have mentioned to Jennifer when I talked to her that um, I filled out an entry form for that. Um, it's a ride you might have heard of, Glenn. And if I do it, it's going to I'll be able to earn a sterling silver belt buckle.
0: What's the ride?
2: And it's on New Year's Day, can you guess? Hmm.
3: How long how long how long is the ride?
2: The ride's not real long. It's only about five and a half miles. And it's in California. And what, what 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 sort of surface are you gonna be Year's riding Day. on? Um, mostly on pavement I think.
0: On New Year's are Day. Are you doing the, are you doing, how did you get into the Rose Bowl Parade?
1: <laughs>
0: well, there's a group of um, AERC.
2: The theme for the Rose Parade this year is Find Your Adventure. And they're also partnering with the National Park Service. So the endurance riding group, of course, sits perfectly into their theme. So they've been working for several months now, getting our group together to do parades and to get all of our gear and stuff together. So I just submitted um, an application for myself on Chief, and we're going to get to ride in the front of the group because he's in the Hall of Fame. And a good friend of mine is going to be riding my horse, Bo in the next row behind me. So both of my horses are going to get to go. And so we're kind of excited
1: about possibly getting to do this.
0: Right, so you should Yay. be kind of excited. You should be very excited. I mean, that there are only about 20 horse groups every year that they get to go, and you do have to do qualify in, in previous parades, don't you? Won't you have to do a parade or two this year?
2: Right, and our group's yeah. already been doing some big parades, and I've got one coming up that I'm going to do that's local. And so, yeah, we're going to meet all the qualifications and everything, and um it, it's gonna be quite the experience we get to um I didn't know this, but we're gonna get to sleep um in our horse trailers on the freeway the night before on yeah
0: Wednesdays. you do you park on the freeway the night before and and uh you basically get no sleep, and then they wake you up at about four in the morning and okay. then you go it's get like lined up and, right, <laughs> yeah, that's right, but then the then you get to line up and sit there for about two hours on you know with your horse just waiting. Uh, and then you get to go. Uh, uh-huh. But uh, yeah, they say a lot of five-hour energy drinks <laughs> to keep you going. Um, but, well, yeah, we'll, they uh, everybody that's we'll done fine. it said adrenaline takes you through the parade. That's not a problem.
2: Oh, well, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure. Yes, we're going to work on um, Chief's main thing he needs to work on is um, just one word, patience.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, there's a no, and that you know people don't realize I've been in parades before with horses, and it is kind of a pain because there's a lot now the they the rose Bowl parade they keep it going pretty much, but uh most of the smaller parades there's a lot of starting and stopping and standing there, and that's the last mm-hmm. thing horses want to do in a parade um
1: well yes, and
0: yeah.
2: endurance riders are, are and their horses are used to you know going moving. and so just yeah. <laughs> moving so walking and stopping and it'll, it'll, um, it's good that we're going to get the parade practice. And although I'm pretty sure my horses have, you know, they've been there, done everything just about. So this will be a a new experience for them. And it's going to be pretty, pretty awesome, I think, to be able to get to do this.
0: Well, one of the things they say is that if you're riding a horse in the middle of nowhere, and somebody pops up and starts cheering, or there's a plastic bag that goes across, (laughs) that'll freak them out. But when you're Riding in a parade like that, where th- where there's a million people lining the thing, there's so much stuff they can't focus on any one thing. There's so right, much sensory overload. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're overstimulated. So there's not they you know they're not focusing on any one thing that's going to scare them. Uh, right. Or right. you could be like Wendy's horse that time we went uh, trying to do the parade in in Lexington there, and it almost killed about three children before we had to uh, take the carriage and the horse out of the parade.
1: Oh so, no!
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, okay. you could uh, you could have that too. I mean, that's an option. No,
2: no, we're we're planning on it being a nice,
0: calm experience. Except for the, you know,
2: I'm sure it'll be just as exciting as getting up the, in the morning to ride Tevis. We're, we're, we're still going to be nervous and have butterflies in our stomach. And oh, I'm sure from the anticipation.
0: Now, are you going to ride standing up in your stirrups like the all-American cowgirl chicks do every year? <laughs> Um,
2: only if it's really, really high. <laughs> no, I'm hoping we'll just be nice and calm, and um, it, it, it's uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty,
0: um, pretty fun experience. You held out on me. I didn't know anything about yeah. this. Are you going to do the uh, show three days ahead? too? they always have a show in the one Coliseum there. Yeah, the, the equest
2: thing where we yep. get to perform as a group on the I think it's the thirtieth. Yes.
0: So So what um, are you guys going to do, ride real fast around in circles for a few hours?
2: That's what I was wondering. Maybe they'll just have us ride 50 (laughs) miles in a circle while all the other guys
0: perform. (laughs) Yeah, while they perform, you're just going to be going around the edge. Yeah,
2: That'll be fine. That'll take the edge off of our horses. They might need that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jennifer, we may have to go to, uh, we may finally have to go to Rose Bowl Parade just to see Karen this year. You might.
2: <laughs> there we go. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't that be cool? I know they keep I, inviting us been. to come
0: out. Actually, we do a show on it every year, and uh, we, you know, we've had we've done that show for seven years now, and we get some of the entertainers, and we always have the Rose Bowl people on, and oh, every year okay. they say, where well, are you guys going to come out?" And every year we haven't, so maybe well, maybe this year we'll have to go out and visit you. You should. Yes. That'd be we'll,
2: fun. We'll sign you up. You can be an Outwalker on the parade route
0: with us. Oh, that'd be fun. That I could do. I could walk. That you I'm calling. You could <laughs> wave, Glenn. I could walk and wave. Yeah, I could wave. That's good. I can do that. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> I've always wanted to be in the parade. Nothing since I have to ride a horse, right?
2: That's right. Here you go. <laughs> Maybe
0: exactly. your only chance, Glenn. <laughs> That's true. I know.
2: So, so I've been trying we, um, to hitch a
0: ride on a carriage for a long time, and I haven't got that accomplished yet either.
2: Well, if if so. I earn a belt buckle for doing this, I'll let you touch it.
0: <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Well, that is really cool. Congratulations! I'm excited for you. I really am. That's think, one of my favorite yeah, things let, every year. I'll let
2: you guys know if you know once we finally get officially selected. Hopefully, we're going to. Um, we won't know that until August. Okay. Cool, so, but we're we're still doing everything that we can so that we do get in, and hopefully we will. I mean, we fit the theme perfectly. So,
0: yeah, you do. Uh, you good, definitely good do this year. Well, yes. now um, I see here it's also that there's a new ride coming up, and I love the name of it—the one on Halloween near Vegas.
2: Right. We're doing it's a seventy-five and a one-day hundred, and it's on Halloween, and the ride is called the Riding Dead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm not sure that's a good idea but um now do you all have to dress up like as vampires and stuff
2: we might or zombies or or something along those lines we may do that it's get, we're going to have fun with this it's going to be a, um, a fun ride so i hope people will come and ride it and come and volunteer and and uh, see what these crazy endurance writers do um i figured if um they're riding 100 miles. Nobody will be able to tell if they really dressed up for Halloween or not by the time they're done. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: true. Especially, I, I don't know that it's cooled off a whole lot by the end of October, has it? Is it going to be hot? It,
2: we're a little at a little bit of elevation there. Um, so it should be pretty mild still, probably in the 70s.
0: So it won't be now, that hot. Are you going to be in Red Rock Canyon and all of that, or where are you going to be?
2: No, it's it's about actually 60 miles southwest of Vegas,
4: I, I, get, I would okay. guess,
2: off of the I-15 um, at Mountain Pass. So it's going to be um, 35 miles, I guess, east of Baker or north of Baker.
0: Depending wow, cool. On. Yeah. Is, so, so that's a brand so new yeah. Yeah. ride? Is, who's the ride riding
2: yes. I'm... Um, me, myself, and my friend Nanette, who owns the property where camp is at,
0: um, oh, wow. excited to,
2: to uh, jump in and do a hundred. Do you know, put on a hundred mile ride because there's so few of them.
0: Wow, that's really cool. Well, congratulations. Well, I guess yeah. congratulations. You might regret it <laughs> come uh, November. <laughs> we might. <laughs>
2: but, yeah. <laughs> we might. Well, and good and for also, you, happy, happy birthday to Chief. He turned twenty last week. Oh, wow. And My he just guy. did another
0: 50.
2: He did. He's done 350s um two weeks apart now for the last 6 weeks. And he's doing great. He's a tough little horse. He's still going strong and nobody bothered to tell him he's 20 years old. So, he's uh he's not acting
0: like it. <laughs> well, I'm not going to tell him. I I'll, I I'll, I'll, okay. I won't tell him. Before. We'll keep that okay, a secret. good. Right. <laughs> well nobody tells him he'll be fine. Well now before we run out of time, we have to do a movie review here with you, and it's your first movie review actually here on the show. Uh because no none of us wanted to go see it, so you you uh you sucked it up and went to see it. And I was going I to play the trailer. Usually we play the trailer to introduce the movies, but it's just there's no like no talking and just a whole bunch of sappy uh girl music Kick flick uh, trailer uh, music, so it was really not good to play.
2: So, yeah, and the, um, but the bulls are pretty cool. They did a good job filming the bull riding and stuff, and it, 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 it's mainly about a bull rider, well, and of course he meets and falls in love. Well, let's
0: with, let's say it's with, the longest ride, right? This is it's even the, the longest ride,
2: ride, and it, and it stars uh, Scott Eastwood, who is Clint Eastwood's son, Alan
1: Alda
0: okay. is in it, and. and and there's it is a chick flick. There's an age difference, Scott Eastwood and Alan Alda. Now. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: Alan
2: Alda's got to be as old as, as uh, Clint Eastwood.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think he is, actually. So now Scott Eastwood, uh, uh, I just looked at the trailer, appears to have uh, have much better looks than Clint ever did, actually.
2: Yes, he's he's nice to look at. That's, yeah. That's for sure. And... I, I mean, he didn't really get to do a lot of serious acting in this movie. You know, he mostly
0: looked pretty. <laughs> if you think about it, neither did Clint in any of his movies. So um, <laughs> just following suit. There you Clint go. didn't have many words. I know. Uh, yeah. Well, all right, yeah, tell so us, give I'm... us just a outline of what the movie's about.
2: Well, he's a bull rider, you know, and he meets this college student who's into art, and she wants to go to the big city to, um, you know, work in an art gallery and do what, you know, what she wants to do, and he wants to pursue the bull riding and be the best there is, and that's why it's called The Longest Ride, which was, you know, literally eight seconds, and, um, of course, along the way they, they meet meet um Alan Alda's character who is in a car accident and they save him along with a box of letters to his love and and so he is narrating um the letters that he wrote over the last you know few decades to his his wife and the woman that he loved and um you know it kind of goes along uh, like a parallel storyline with um that character and and him and his wife as they were portrayed with younger actors, and then showing um, the the newer um, couple, the Scott Eastwood and Britt Robertson, um, showing what they kind of go through. And you know, it, it had plenty of cliches and some predictable stuff in it. And of, of course, it had a happy ending. Um, the the only thing I didn't like no, is they don't just give didn't any spoilers. show. I will give it away. But they didn't show enough of his tan lines. <laughs> you know, uh,
0: the whole audience... Just that description, I was bored. I was just bored in that description alone. This is as chick flickish as it gets.
2: <laughs> I know it is. But were you there know, any they,
0: men in the audience?
2: There were a few, but you couldn't really tell from all the women that were going ooh and ah every time he took <laughs> off his shirt or turned around and... Didn't have anything on from the, the back side, and like I said, if they just needed to show more tan lines more often, and then I might have given movie
3: <laughs> a better review. But as it is, I would, I
2: would. It was just have plain unrealistic. Maybe,
3: is that what you're saying?
0: Just yeah, plain maybe unrealistic. Two, yeah.
2: Two and a half flakes. Whoa! Mm-hmm. Out of six. Yeah, maybe three. Wow, was... I, I. Yeah, I think my husband actually.
0: Scott Eastwood's butt is two of those flakes. Is that what you are saying?
2: Pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think my husband actually stayed awake for it better than I did. did I was you sort of off a little... go? Well, I I won tickets. I got we got to go for free. <laughs> oh my
0: god! You made your husband go, he, and he stayed awake.
2: He did. Well, we wanted to see, you know, Scott Eastwood, and and, uh,
0: did you and have how to sleep he, on the you couch know, couch that night. Uh, I, did, no,
2: I didn't. I know <laughs> that, it was pretty funny. So, but I think a lot of the women in the audience liked it. I mean, there were um, lots of oohs and ahs and and crying.
0: <laughs> so, now, was it was there an a lot emotional
2: film win- for some.
0: A lot of fake winnies. How were the horses uh, in the movie?
2: They only rode horses like once in it. Okay. And. Uh, mostly it was about bull riding.
0: And, of course, he gets hurt somewhere along the way, and she has to be all concerned. Of, and uh, and then course. she tries to talk about of bull riding because it's too dangerous, and uh, you have to stop doing that. You have to start coming to the city with me. Did I write the movie? Almost, yeah, you
2: almost got it. You're just mm-hmm. missing the, the big ending, which I'm not going to give away. Okay, <laughs> and how that uh, fixes everything for both of them and makes it just a perfect world. And uh, you know, mainly, I thought the movie was sort of like a big ad for Ariat, Cooper tires, and Ford trucks. <laughs>
0: you know what? <laughs> Wait, what was funny, because Jennifer watched the the uh, the trailer and said it's just an Ariat commercial. <laughs> it was.
2: But- Logo was everywhere on on his clothes, like every place you could possibly have it. The collar, the sleeves, the back, the front. It was, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, everywhere, everywhere.
2: And what's so it's funny is you
0: go to a rodeo, you hardly see anybody wearing Ariat. They're always wearing cinch jeans or, you know, one of those logos. They're, you never see Ariat logos at an actual rodeo.
3: Ariat <laughs> gave him more money than Wrangler did. That's why. Yeah, exactly.
0: There was no Wrangler. didn't Product put up placement. enough money.
3: Exactly. And, you know, throughout
2: the whole, you know, movie, he's driving this old, old Ford. And, of course, near, near the end when, you know, everything's happy and wonderful, he's driving a brand new one. <laughs> of yeah,
0: course.
1: Of
0: course. <laughs> Alan Alda still looks like he's looking old, but he still looks like Alan Alda that I remember from MASH. When, uh-huh. you you know, right. these right. former, when you know, actors, when you see him when they're 80s. They don't look – you don't even recognize them, but Alan Alda still looks like Alan Oliver, doesn't he?
2: He does, and he did a good job. I, I mean, I do have to say everybody, I think, in the movie did a good job.
1: The movie you know, just, sucked. Just,
2: <laughs> they just had – you know, the script was just a little too predictable and a little too many cliches. You know, but if you like watching the bull riding and stuff, they did a good job of filming that with the bulls and – uh I thought that that part was kind of cool. And um,
0: Jennifer, I know a friend of ours from Lexington that'll be going to see that for sure. Uh, she'll be over there about <laughs> an opening day.
2: So uh, they show the bulls, and they seem like they're this, you know, big, just scary monsters, you know, which they kind of are. Uh, how do they get the um, the stuff on them? I mean, who's brave enough to go down into the pen with them and get them? I guess, tacked up, or I don't know what you would call Yeah, they put that strappy the, the thing the on around their
0: bellies. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I guess, uh, you know, that guy's probably in the hospital as much as the bull riders, right? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's
0: not something uh-uh. I was ever interested in doing, so. Uh, uh-uh. No. Yeah. I mean as horseback riders don't we spend forever trying not to do that? I mean that's what we spend our entire life trying not to do is get bucked off. Exactly. Well two and and a half legs. So that means pretty much wait for it to come to it's free on T V Yeah. 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 Okay. Netflix. You know, everybody has big screen TV, so they can see his ass really big anyway. So, Uh um, you know, it's not like you need the huge screen. And you can pause it that way and
2: (laughs) back up and watch it again and again
1: if you want.
0: (laughs) Because apparently there wasn't enough of it. So Uh, Now, the Mm -hmm. girl that's in it, she was in something else. I was trying to remember what I saw her in. Uh, What's her Mm -hmm. name? Uh, uh, Rick Robertson yeah she was in some other movie that uh was out recently. I can't okay. remember off the top, but I know I've seen her in in something else, but I can't remember uh, <laughs> yeah i can't I just can't remember <laughs> but yeah was she any good? yeah she was good. Oh, you know where Not I saw her? Terrible. I, when it, in its short-run uh, adventure on TV, Under the Dome, the series Under the Dome. She was one oh, of the main characters okay. in Under the Dome. That's right. That's where I saw okay. her Okay.
2: What happened to that show? I remember seeing it, it a
0: couple times. They, they, mm-hmm. they, I don't, they never got out of the dome, and it died because nobody was watching. So I think okay. they're still in the <laughs> dome and still killing each other. That. By now, there's nobody left. I mean, they've killed each other, and there's just rotting corpses by this point under the dome. There's okay. Pretty yeah. Nothing. They all fell yeah.
2: down a hole or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, you know, I got bored with it after about the halfway through the second season. It was like, literally, there should be nobody left at the re- at the rate they're killing each other. You know, <laughs> it
1: uh-huh. just got
0: old. It just got old, and then some of the stupid stuff, you know, like like the outside forgot forgot they even existed, and nobody was trying to save them anymore. You know, it just mm-hmm. there was just certain things that were going what. Uh, so I gave up on it, but uh, so I don't know whatever happened to. Them. <laughs> okay. Don't really care either. Uh, obviously, Brett got out because she, now she's hanging around with cowboys. So, uh, it's for her. Yeah, <laughs> which was better than the jerk she was hanging around with inside the dome. So, she's yeah. done much better now. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to our endurance tip. Uh, what are we talking about this month?
2: This month, I'm going to talk about the benefits of getting your horse used to eating wet mashes. Okay.
1: You know, it's
2: one of those things where some horses like them and some don't some need to get to them you know because they're really beneficial to use at endurance rides but also in the winter when their normal amount of water consumption might go down because of the weather or you know water gets colder and they don't always drink as much as they should and there's actually some interesting research that shows that when you feed a mash a wet mash to horses that it does appear to help increase their overall water intake. Snuck Karen, before
3: we go, Mm -hmm. explain what you mean by mash, because I think some people might think a mash is a specific recipe of dry and wet items. What do you mean by mash?
1: A
2: mash, it could be something that's made out of just like a complete feed pellet. It could be beet pulp, rice bran, wheat bran, um you know, any kind of mixture of stuff. Usually it doesn't include grain if it's something you're feeding all all the time like at home. So um and then the other benefit of getting the horses to eat that is you can get them used to maybe eating a little extra salt or electrolytes in it, which is really good for when you are traveling or going to endurance rides.
3: But so the the, for research- the purposes of this discussion mm-hmm. mash meaning a a hard feed product or pellet that you are adding water to versus water a, in the more mm-hmm. traditional sense mash was was used for a term when you took wheat bran and added water and then added that to the horse's hard feed ration for this discussion it's simply his typical normal feed that you add water to to make it kind of soupy
2: Right, and some horses will eat it better if it's more like um, a cookie dough texture maybe, while others might like it if it's more like a, a um, like soup, a little more sloppy and wet. So you just have to experiment a little bit ahead of time. Um, the thing I have found with my horses is that they still drink just as much, By giving them the wet mashes when I'm at rides and when I'm traveling, they're consuming that much more water. And so I think it helps keep them hydrated better um, by giving them the wet mashes. And and that's what the research has shown is that the horses – Um, still consume just as much water they were before just on dry matter. But now because you're giving them the wet mash, they're getting that much more in in the hydration, which is really beneficial because that's one of our um, biggest things that we run up against as endurance riders with our horses and traveling is uh, we worry about them getting dehydrated. And so getting a horse used to eating a wet mash ahead of time Um, can be really beneficial because some horses just, if they've never had them, they might turn their Mm -hmm. nose up at it. And so it's good to get them used to it ahead of time at home, even if you just do it a couple times a week to start with and work Mm -hmm. up from there. My horses, I give them a, a little bit of a mash every day so it's part of their everyday diet so that they're used to it and they're happy to eat it when we travel and when we're at a ride. And it makes me feel good because I know they're getting a little more um, water into their system.
3: So that's that's a very interesting study that they did there because for a long time, most veterinarians go, oh, don't feed your horse mash. It really doesn't help anything and yada, yada. But, again, I think because this study focused on adding water to a normal feed ration, some type of feed that absorbs the water, some kind of a pelleted type of product versus a mm-hmm. uh, sweet feed, which is just bits of grain which won't absorb water, I think that makes a huge difference because you're not changing what the horse is consuming. You're not going from uh, a scoop of pelleted senior feed to a scoop of wheat bran in one feed, right. which really isn't all that great. That's what makes it, made this uh, study so fascinating because in – in a very real sense, you are adding more water to their total water intake because if you add a quarter of a gallon of water to his feed in the evening, he doesn't drink a quarter ca- gallon less during the day. He still drinks the same amount he would. That's right. Really, I'm going to post a uh, link to the study up on the Facebook page because it was
0: really a fascinating okay. study. Good. Mm hmm. Very good. Well, we have our product of the month, and we have, as usual, Kristen Lacey of the Distance Depot to help us with our product review. And this week, or this month, I guess she's going to talk about saddle pads.
2: Good morning, Kristen. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Karen. Great to be here. Well, today we're going to talk about saddle pads. And I see from your website, you've got quite a selection. Um, Where do you want to start?
5: Well, um, we do have quite a selection. Um, Pretty much most of the saddle pads that um, we stock um, really are pads that we've used ourselves over the years, and we have found work really well under a variety of saddles. So I could start um, maybe with the Supercore brand. I don't know Mm -hmm. if your riders are familiar with that, but they are a nice pad. Um, This material is a honeycomb waffle padding, um, which is – um, my, anti-microbial, so they're very easy to care for. You can rinse them off. Um, they're kind of a funny um, plastic-type waffle um, pad, which really does go well right against your horse. Um, it seems kind of strange. People are used to the big, fluffy ones, but this material mm-hmm. is um, super cushioning and um, really keeps your horse very cool um, and easy to care for, so the Supercore brand has been around quite a while and fits a wide variety. You know, we have jumping styles, dressage styles, western, and, and pads for endurance saddles. So really um, a pretty wide variety across the board.
2: The, I was just scrolling through your, your uh, the, all the different choices and stuff, and, and you did mention that they fit a, a wide variety. Um, I saw on the Supercore it looks like you have uh a just – they're just like the actual super core material itself with no cover
5: that that's right um they used to make the covers they have discontinued the covers basically now just making it um in what they call the cool grip and that material is an in, um interesting material. it really was initially developed for um hospital use i mean it's still widely used i believe in that industry too it it, it they use it in um if you will uh wheelchair seats for cushioning very breathable um so you know in our application uh again allowing um, the air to flow through it so um just really making a pretty nice pad
2: and to clean those i guess would be really easy you just need to hose them off
5: absolutely yep just hose them off and let them hang to dry and and they are dry um pretty quickly they'll dry
2: Okay, well, tell us what's the newest thing that you've got in saddle pads
5: we um we have some excellent technology um uh, which we're very excited about by Toklat. um it's called the t three um performance pads, and basically it's their matrix line of saddle pads The toclat pads I'm sure you're aware of um have been out for many many years um and we've used them under just a wide variety of saddles, um, endurance saddles, dressage saddles, and so on. But this new T3 technology um, has, um, you know, it's completely breathable. It, it It's basically customizable back protection, so you can put in different inserts in these pads. Mm-hmm. And um, the Matrix line does um, have a Velcro opening to um, insert uh, these inserts. Um, they have three different types of inserts that go in these pads we've recently just brought in their newest line which um, basically they're calling the extreme pro pads and these are either cool back or wool back materials with the um, what they're calling the extreme pro insert inside these inserts are perforated so they're very breathable and top of the line technology for sure in our industry right i Um,
2: saw i saw them, um, the Tokwat rep was at one of the horse expos, and um, she was putting their insert on the floor, on a concrete floor, and dropping a bowling ball on it. I know. And
1: it, it, it is amazing. It's amazing. We
2: do, yeah, we do have
5: a little video on our site that we've created, so folks can see that ball drop. We don't do it with a ball, bowling ball. We do it with a smaller ball bearing, but it definitely gets the point across, and when you see how this Um, Pour-on XRD is what this insert is made of. Um, When you see how that material disperses the energy, it it is really amazing compared to other foams that are out there on the market. And Mm -hmm. and for years, this really is um, pretty impressive um, foam. And I've been using it on my guy, and he loves it. Um, So it's it's really um, just a super foam.
2: And those... Pads, or I mean, I've used the Toklat wool back pads for decades myself, and right. they're great because they last so long, and they are easy to clean. I just wash them on gentle cycle in the in the washer, and yeah. then take them out to air dry. Um, so they're really easy to care for. Also, okay, let's see. What about your mosquito pads?
5: Yes, the mosquito pad. It, it has been around for for years too and very widely used under um bob marshall sports saddles in fact i think it's one of the pads that that is usually recommended for for mm-hmm. those, a lot of riders out there riding in the skido and the bob marshalls um i have our pads made with 100 percent wool bottom so you know good for breathability um and I have three-quarter-inch inserts put in there. There are a bunch of different options that you can custom order with Skeeto, but that's typically how I have these pads made for the store. Um, and and then we, we've introduced the dryback um, for the Skeeto line, too. So on top of these pads, instead of having the Kadura which we do offer, the dryback is sort of a, woven um, mesh material it's really good if you're if you seem to have saddle slippage um, your pad with this dry back is not going to um, scooch out the back or, or move it's really going to stay put. The folks that use this dryback material swear by it it's um and very breathable as well so they're they're just a, a super pad
2: across the board too great well if somebody would like to order one of these Pads? How would they get in touch with you? They can dial us toll free
5: eight six six eight six three two three four nine, or visit us on the website, um, send us an email. Uh, either any of those any of those methods will reach us, and we'd be happy to help. And the website is depot dot Com.
2: Terrific! Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Karen. All right, our first guest this morning is Nicole Chapelle. Nicole has been riding since she was a junior in 1985. She has 13,705 miles. She has completed 46 one-day hundreds. Her horse, Golden Knight, known as G, has completed 2,400 miles, including eight 100-mile ride completions. The interesting thing about G is that he has lost his eyesight in one eye, and Nicole has still managed to ride him on several rides, including technical ones such as Tevis, where they finished in 17th place in 2013. She has also tied for first on the Virginia City 100, and she's been helping another rider with a horse that lost his eye earlier this year. Well, good morning, Nicole. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Well you've been riding a long time. Um I saw on your um record since nineteen eighty five. How old were you when you did your first endurance ride?
4: I attempted my first ride when I was eight and I actually twisted both of my ankles in a western saddle and we were over time, so my first completion was actually when I was nine years old. <laughs> and I've been riding endurance ever since.
2: Wow. Wow. And That's you thirty both- years. Wow. Okay. That's pretty cool. So you've done an enormous amount of one-day hundreds. I see 46 one-day hundreds. Why do you like doing those?
4: Uh, it's my favorite. Uh, unlike you, I can't escape work to go on the multi-day rides. So I do love, while I do love those, the other challenge that I've been able to successfully be able to fit my schedule are hundreds, so I really like mm-hmm. to support those races. I did do uh, some FEI endurance for a period in the early 2000s, and that got me to travel the country doing hundreds, and so I kind of uh, just made it a goal, and recently Robert Ridley has uh, challenged me to join the 100-hundreds club so i guess i'll be on a mission
0: how many of those are there (laughs) how many of those are there are there a lot uh
4: i don't think so i believe he might be there now because he was really close last year but i don't know how many other people have that many
0: that's a lot of saddle sores it is yeah (laughs) it
4: is and i
2: know connie creech has something around 75 hundreds
0: yeah
2: wow that's just amazing. Which one is your favorite?
4: Um, that's a hard one. I I love Kevets. It's in my backyard, but unfortunately, as a kid, it was always very expensive, and that was my mother's race. She's got 20 completions, and she has the horse with the most completions.
0: Before um, you go any so, further, can we talk about that horse? Because we're always talking about Arabs, and that was not an Arab that she did all those rides on.
4: Correct. It was a, a running quarter horse. And so that horse completed Tevis 13 times in its lifetime, which as we all know, the lifespan that you can do endurance, that means you had to have an awful lot of completions and not too many pulls. So I want to say of my mom's 20 completions, she had 24 attempts,
1: Mm.
4: but some of those weren't on other horses, not that horse, but she does have 13 and people say that that record might never be broken again, which might be true.
0: What an incredible quarter horse, huh?
4: Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Kind of a mean,
0: mean old mare, but she loved it. <laughs> well, see, she was tough. She got the job yeah. done. Screw you people. But I'm finishing I'm
1: on this. To, <laughs> I'm on a mission
4: to try to get 10 of those buckles, and we'll see how that goes since it is the backyard. Now I can afford to ride it, so I'll just do it. And then this year I'm going to try to do as many hundreds as I can. It seems like a few of the ones that don't host the rides every year just because I think it's hard to get enough volunteers and everything to put Mm -hmm. on a 100-mile race. The people that have to stay up all night, vets and everything, I think some just can't do it every year. And there's a couple of them this year that they've got the 100 back, so I'm going to try to go support them and do them, keep them alive. Well, tell us about your horse, Golden Knight. So golden Knight he is he'll be twelve this summer. uh he's a horse that I bred and have raised. I owned his mother. She was not an endurance horse. she was a horse I got strictly for breeding. She was three quarter Arabian and a quarter quarter horse and she was buckskin mm-hmm. and at the time I had a I had a sixteen hen pretty big boned Arabian that I competed on endurance on, and I thought, boy, I'd love to have another one of him but it's so hard to find big, bones, tall Arabians. So I was sitting at the Draft Horse Classic in Grass Valley, uh, California, one year watching this Friesian that was really sporty do a bunch of uh, maneuvers and super athletic, and I just had an idea why wouldn't that be a decent cross with an Arabian. So <laughs> next thing you know, I wow. found my friend who owns a – a Frisian stallion and I they had actually already bred him to a couple of Arabians. He used to stand at Lacey's Arabian Ranch. In fact I think he's still there. Um they've had success making carriage horses and dressage horses and sport horses. I think I'm the only one that does endurance on these or I've sold horses that have become endurance mm-hmm. horses but did a little research and it seemed like a Viable cross, and although I didn't know if I could do endurance on it or not, but, uh, I wanted a pretty buckskin, and <laughs> it was a 25% chance, and I got one. So he's so, half
2: Friesian, and he's got a little quarter horse and an Arab. Yep. yep. Mm, cool. Cool. <clears throat> and I was talking with a friend of mine at a ride recently, and he was telling me how you had helped him with his horse who had recently or in the last year had lost an eye. And that—that's when I found out that your horse, um, uh, commonly known as G, um, also is blind in one eye.
4: Yes, and he—he he lost his eye as a baby um, in a fluke accident, kind of some thunderstorm. I was actually at an endurance ride when it happened. The mare was
1: mm-hmm. getting
4: rebred, and uh, I got the phone call that my little horse had had it. the lens of his eye was basically gone when they found him so we took him to davis and it was a holiday weekend like labor day i think and so nobody was around to do any surgery that stuff
0: always happens like that doesn't it
4: i know you're gone um anyway i think i had a few days and went and saw him and you know normally they would just remove the eye but because he was only a few months old when it happened uh they thought that his face would become disfigured if they took the eye like they normally do on an older horse because their brow mm-hmm. bone and the shape of their face is held by that eye socket and so the wonderful vets at davis uh had had one case study of an older horse where they put a silicone ball inside the ocular sack because, mind you, it's missing the lens, so there's no vision left. But he mm-hmm. still has the sack that holds the lens, so basically they put a silicone ball inside that sack as big as they could fit. He was just a sole and then sewed it shut, and it it did hold the shape of his face, and it was fairly inexpensive. I want to say it was another... more than removing the eye. So to me it was worth it. It
0: Jeez, if he was a human, he would have grown up to be a James Bond villain. villain. You (laughs) know, (laughs) that's amazing. And
4: the, the funny thing is, is the, the, um, that's immediately said, you know, they're like, you know, we understand you're, you're a breeder. If you wanted to put him down and I was appalled because I thought, Oh my gosh, I'll never put him down because, they said the first thing one of them came in and said, "You know, he'll always make a great trail horse, so he could do dressage." And and it didn't even cross my mind to put the horse down. He was and so you got him or, going
2: riding. He's done really well. And um, so yeah. how how do you work with a horse like that that, that can only see on one side?
4: Uh, he grew up that way, so for him it's a little bit different than the horse that has an injury. But I did help. Um, Hugh Vandaford with his recent injury. A few tips that I think are consistent throughout any one-eyed horse. Um, you know, I learned from a few people that gave me advice. My mom actually had a blind stallion. The st- dad of her horse that did have t- so many times went completely blind. So I had some, you know, background knowledge from her. But a few of the key things that people always ask, do they go down the trail with their head crooked?
1: Mm-hmm. And
4: no, he doesn't, um, but what he does do is on when the cliff is on the side that he can't see out of, he will tend to look quite often, and me, I have a lot of dressage background. I try to like ride in the right frame and keep him straight, and I found that by trying to be so perfect, he would stumble often, so I, I realized I had to let him look. And then I realized, well, I want him to know that the hill's on that side of the cliff. (laughs) I want him to see it because I don't want him to fall off it either. So he kind of looks more than a horse that has two eyes. And I ride with a lot of legs, you know, so on that side, you know, I just kind of ride with a closed leg. And that's some of the advice that I gave Hugh. And I said, if you need to wear a blunt spur, you know, to reinforce it in the beginning, go ahead.
0: Do you find that there? Do you find that there? You have. Do you feel like you have more trust with that horse than some of your other horses?
4: Yes, most definitely. In fact, he's the first horse that I rode after I had a a bad accident on the Tevis Trail with my old Arabian horse, and um, this horse is the first horse that I. Had trust in to even ride on that trail again, and let alone was blind in one eye. But I trusted him more than the horses that I borrowed in between the uh, two eyes.
1: Mm-hmm. Probably one
4: because I raised them. But I think you, the horse, I would say I probably talk to my horse maybe more than some people. You know, when there's steps, that's another thing. Horses kind of have cruddy um, uh, depth perception, anyways.
1: So mm-hmm.
4: For him, he's even a little worse on that because he only has the one eye. So I really make sure I collect him up before he's going up or down steps, you know, so that he's ready to take it on. He can see. He knows the word steps, you know, up, down, whatever. He, I feel it really listens and keeps me safe. <laughs> and a knight, he's an excellent night horse, but mm-hmm. he is very affected by uh, headlamps. Mm-hmm. And I can't wear glow bars on his breast collar either. I've tried. I've tried everything. He just has a hard time. I think he only has one eye, anyways. So you got to go with what he's used to. And he just he does stumble a lot when there's like a headlamp. So I just keep a distance or space out from somebody that has one of those, to where he's got darkness between me and that horse, mm-hmm. and he doesn't trip as often.
2: Well, So tell us, what was the ride like at Tevis in 2013? You finished in 17th place with him. Tell us about that a little bit.
4: Um, We had a great day. I was actually sponsoring a junior early on in the ride who had trouble. Um, So, honestly, there is some possible chance that that if G is in really good shape, he has a chance to where he could be a top 10 Tevis horse. Someday, you know, if all the cards fall into place that day, many of them did, but we had some holdups, Junior, and I lost a shoe in the dark, <laughs> some other chaos, but <laughs> um, give me back that hour, and yeah, I really, I mean, we did phenomenal, we did better than I ever thought he could do, because he is a big horse, he's 16'2",
2: wow. and
4: uh, I don't know how much he weighs, he's a big guy, and he tends to do better with weight on him, he's not a that I can run ultra-skinny, I've tried it, you know, to get him more, like, arabesque, and he does better with the build that he was given, so, um, his eye, I know the vets are always conscious, and when you leave for us, you know, the cliff, his eye is blind on the left side, the mm-hmm. side that you would mount on, just not, and so the canyon is on your left side, as you know, going uh-huh. down the California loop, and the vets always, especially vets that don't know us,
0: <laughs> remind
4: uh-huh. you, don't forget your horse is blind in the left
0: eye. <laughs> yeah. something you like, forget oh, all thanks. the time, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> thanks for reminding me yeah. of that so I can think <laughs> about that as I leave into the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my goal before Tevis was I obviously pre-rode uh, the Cal Loop since mm. I live in an area that's easy for me, and I wanted him to know what it looked like in the daylight, as well as myself, so that I knew where I could really move out and, you know, feel completely safe. But it took me a while, I'm not going to lie, the first couple of times I took him on hundreds at night, even the first time he did Travis, I uh, I was scared. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> <to lie. laughs> I trusted him, but it was me because I hadn't done the ride in so long, uh-huh. You know, it is it is a treacherous trail, and I had a bad accident once on a cliff. And so, for me, whenever the cliff is on a certain side, I kind of have a, a small phobia. Um, mm-hmm. To over, just, yeah,
1: yeah,
4: I try to try to ride as confident as I can, and, and trustworthy, and be safe. In fact, the, the previous year that I rode him on it. I had some people behind me going into Eldorado Canyon where I'd previously had an incident and they were just insistent of passing where there was absolutely nowhere to pass. In fact, people behind me were getting in fights with each other because people were guarding myself. And I think that year I had a junior as well.
2: Uh-huh.
4: And, uh, you know, I just finally turned around and told the person that was just rude, you know, hey, you got a junior in front of us who's fearful, we're trotting, we're not walking along, we'll give you trail when it's safe. Right. And I said, and my horse is blinded one eye. you know, we don't need to have any incidents, so let's just make sure we all, you know, pass when it's safe and not trying to hold up the trail and, you know, I, you just have to be voice for us if, if you have an issue, you know, mm-hmm. especially with a horse that has a little bit of a handicap. I don't think it's a huge handicap as people think it is. Um, I always tell people, cover up one of your eyes, you know, you can still see, so (laughs) horse can too. In fact, they, they can see better because they have their eye, the way it sticks out of the side of their head, they have a lot more vision than we do because of the way our eyes are set. So... Right.
2: Do you think it's made him any more spooky or is he just generally not a very spooky horse? No, he's spooky.
1: Is definitely. he?
2: <laughs>
4: but he's, a, he's a mischievous horse, too. So I don't know. He might spook just as much with two eyes than one. In fact, he, he, it's very shocking. Sometimes I'll be riding by something that I just know he's going to sneak at. But I think, oh, <laughs> it's on the blind side. I don't even have to pay attention. You won't see it. But somehow he does. So <laughs> if he turns his head, he'll turn his head just enough to get a glimpse he... of it. And it scares him more because he can't see it fully, you know. So yeah, yeah, he is creepy.
2: Wow. See I would have thought he would be pretty um, you know, sensible in that way, but but um I guess he's just learned to uh you know manage how he how he does things on the trail.
4: Yeah. And That's he doesn't have those like cool. dangerous boots. <laughs> he more looks at things and you uh-huh. can t- you can talk him through anything. He just His thing has always been rocks. (laughs) He thinks they're monsters. It's pretty funny when you ride him through boulders that he's seen
1: a thousand times.
4: He still thinks they're going to get him. But I I don't know if that has to do with the blind eye. I think that just might be him.
2: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Maybe if he had both eyes, he he would be, you know, twice as
1: spooky. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding.
4: (laughs) Maybe it's a blessing in disguise. He used to get picked on a lot with that eye, like when he was younger, I don't know how horses figure that out, but he always would get beat up on the side with no eye, and he was fine on the other side. So those are little things you have to be aware of. Well, what
2: are your future plans or goals for him?
4: Um, He's actually coming back from an injury and a time suspensory, so hopefully he's He's going to his first ride this weekend, and we're just doing a 25 because he's chubby right now. But, uh, mm-hmm. Hopefully, he'll do a 50 in a couple of weeks, and hopefully, I'll have uh, two choices of tennis horses because I have his full sister, who's a year younger than him, going oh, now, okay. too, who's like a mini version of him that has two eyes, who's quite the endurance <laughs> horse, too.
1: <laughs> oh, good. Good. Well, well, good luck.
4: Um, one thing that I did have a hard time, and I think I talked to Hugh about this, too, is Uh, trotting the horse out when they're one-eyed on the side that you are on. It's a little bit harder. (laughs) Oh, right. uh, Yeah, I used to have issues with him, and actually I tried to learn how to trot him on the offside, but because I'm right-handed, that just doesn't work. (laughs) Maybe if you were left-handed, it would, but I just stuck to treating him as if he's a normal horse that doesn't have anything Wrong, it seemed to work. He goes off okay. of voice commands, and he does his groundwork, like lunging pretty much exactly the same both directions. I think I always start him on the side that he can see on so he knows what I'm up to. But then when mm-hmm. I switch him in reverse, he knows to go the other direction. Okay. So it's just kind of little subtle deals. You try not to make it too different. That way, if anyone had to handle him, he's not... Uh, dangerous or, you know, going to jump on you. You just have to talk to them more when you walk up to them because they can't see you. Mm
1: -hmm.
4: But, yeah, thank you very much for having me on the show. I certainly appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you. That was Nicole Chappelle and her amazing horses. Well, Karen, you can't ride those rides uh, without some help on, on your horse's feet, and that you get from Renegade Hoof Foods. Tell us about it.
2: That's right. My hoof protection for my horses, it's made in the USA. They come in several different colors so you can match your tack. Um, But most importantly, they're easy to use. I've been using them on all my rides this year. And actually, I uh, just figured the other day I've ridden close to 10,000 miles of competition. Well, more than that, actually. Just in the last five years, I've done almost 10,000 miles in these boots. So actually, it's Probably
0: more not the same pair. What well, we do want to not qualify the same that? Pair. Okay. <laughs>
4: no, because I've had
2: to change colors a couple times just for fun, you know. Um, but but they're working really great. I um, at the Nevada Derby both days. I used them on Chief and Bow for 50 miles each, and that's a fairly rocky ride, uh, which you definitely want to have. protection for that because you're going up and down a lot of hills that are steep and they're hard packed and they're rocky and the renegades offer just excellent protection and traction for the horses Uh, they both came through the ride totally sound and the boots were just flawlessly for them they were uh, easy to put on easy to take off and then when you're done your horse can get turned back out barefoot and it just Uh, You know, it works really, really well for us, and uh, we're enjoying being able to use such a nice um, American-made product.
0: Now, you have to pull them off every vet check?
2: No, you don't need to. In
1: fact,
2: both days on the the last 250s, um, I didn't touch the boots at all during the vet check, um, not until I was finished and took them off. Oh, cool. And then I Very just get them out. And, you know, when you ride through a lot of sand, it helps to uh, rinse the Velcro out so that it'll stay sticky for the next time you use it so the sand uh, gets rinsed out. Um, but otherwise, they're pretty low-maintenance kind of boots. And, and if, just, it, if um, it's
0: raining and you're on rocks and things, they're not slippery, they, they provide good traction?
2: So far, yes, absolutely. I mean, I've been over Cougar Rock in them, and I've been across all, you know, Most of the United States in them, actually. I've been all over um, all different kinds of terrain and footing. And, and of course, you know, when stuff is slippery, horses are going to slip. So really the best thing is just to have a horse that gets the experience and all the different kinds of footing. But the renegades are really uh, great for traction on pavement and slippery boulders and stuff like that. They're just excellent.
0: And it's renegadehoofboots.com is where you can find them, renegadehoofboots.com. Well, uh, did you get to play, did you get to Google yet this morning? Uh, and they have a, an homage uh, to you, actually. I it.
1: did,
2: to the Pony <laughs> Express rider. How awesome yeah. is that?
0: Uh, did I you mean, crash into rocks the and trees thing. and things? I did. I crashed, I crashed many times. I
2: know. my My little <laughs> pony didn't have very much steering control.
0: <laughs> we uh, uh no if, if you at don't all. know what we're talking <laughs> <laughs> you know if you don't know what we're talking about, go to Google today, click on the banner, and you'll see that they're doing a uh a homage to the hundred and fifty fifth anniversary of the pony express, and the reason I said they did it to, in your honor was you have are one of the very few people that has done the reenactment ride, what twice
1: well.
2: It was a sanctioned AERC ride, actually. We got credit for 50 miles each day for, you know, eight weeks, 2,000 miles. And I did it, um, yeah, I know, I did it in 2001 where I rode 1,950 miles. Um, so I did actually end up missing a day then. Um, in 2011, I went back with Chief and Bo, and we rode it every single day, and I was the only one that did that, and that was 2,040 miles in eight weeks, and I got to ride oh, the wow. entire trail. It was pretty awesome. Um, one time on another year, we were doing a, a one of the XP Pony Express rides in the middle of Nevada, and I was riding along on Chief, and some guy comes out of this ranch, which had been an old Pony Express or stage station.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And he comes, wav- he's waving something in his hand. And he comes out and he's chasing after me <laughs> and turned around. And he comes up to me and he says, hey, would you mind delivering this to the next Pony Express station for me, which is where <laughs> we were headed to, which was the Cold Spring Station. So he gives me this envelope. I say, sure, I'll deliver it for you. So I put it in my pack and I rode on. It was another probably 10 miles. Most of the stations are about 10 to 12 miles apart. And I rode up to the to the Cold Spring station and rode up on the porch and knocked on the door and handed them the envelope. And the guy inside opened it up and he says, "Oh, thanks. That's uh the guy down the road's bar tab. Thanks
0: for delivering it." <laughs> That's funny. So I thought that now, was
2: pretty cool. I actually got to deliver real mail between
0: two Pony Express stations. Now, don't they deliver mail still? Can't you send your mail there and they'll have it delivered during these rides? When they do uh, the reenactment,
2: I think you can.
0: I, I yeah. Think they do so they'll postmark it for, them. you know, the station there at the beginning, and then they bring it to California. Where does it end in California, right?
2: Um. Yes, it, it most of it now is all paved, so it's really difficult to get through some of the parts in California. Um, but you know that's why we have Tevis. You know we just ride the Tevis to to make up for that. Because <laughs>
1: <Okay.
2: laughs> <laughs> you know there's a Pony Express rider on the Tevis buckle. So,
0: what was the what was the the coolest part of that trip of the 2,000 miles? Was there? Uh, did you get any days off, or was it straight through?
2: Yes, we would get, like, weekends off where we were, you know, we spent out running around like mad getting laundry done, food resupplied for horses and for us, you know, taking care of everything and trying to fit in some rest. Because most of the ride, for those of us that were riding every day, we were only getting about three and a half to four hours of sleep each night. Ugh. You know, and it was really difficult because, you know, there were bugs. And, I mean, the bugs back you know, more in the Midwest and in eastern part of this country, they're more like small rodents. You know, they're humongous, and we're not used to, to the to yeah. That kind Jennifer of and I
6: had a
0: few of those in the house this morning. We had to deal the with few, here in Florida. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, but
2: the best part I think is the camaraderie among the group that you're with, but also I think the bond that you form with your horses. You become really, really close. You know, I'm sleeping inside the trailer and they're sleeping outside the trailer and just spending that much time, you really get to learn your animals inside and out and um, just, you know, they develop so much personality, a bonding experience that that you have with them. And of course, the history of the trail, I, I guess I need to mention that part, that really makes you appreciate modern life and how lucky we are to have the things that we have, the amenities, and, and you know, you look back and you realize the hardships that the people went through in the 1800s you Move moved west on some of those pioneer trails. I mean, they, they had it rough.
0: They, those where were did some it cross, tough people. Where did it cross the Rockies?
2: Um, South Pass, Wyoming.
0: Okay, had you yeah. ridden that before?
2: Uh, no, just on the two long cross country rides that I did. And
0: what yeah. was that like?
2: And it was pretty neat. I mean, it's you really like when you come to the place that's called the parting of the ways, and there's a marker there, and it describes that this is where many people would go one direction and they would go into Idaho and Oregon, and the others would stay on the the route and continue west, which would take you then into, you know, through Utah, Nevada, and into California, and that a lot of those people, when they parted ways, they never would see each other again. And they you know, nobody really knew what awaited them because, you know, either way they went was going to bring hardships and difficulty. I mean, just that's the Donner Party, right?
0: Right, right, yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you had the timing wrong. It, it didn't always end well. and But it was extremely difficult once they reached Nevada because there were so many long stretches
0: without water for the animals. Mm. So the desert was probably worse than the Rocky Mountains that way then, as far as uh, getting right. through. And,
2: and one thing that, that a lot of people, there's a misconception, people think that once you got to Nevada, it's flat. Well, Nevada's one of the more mountainous states, and so... You know, you're going over mountain range, out over mountain range after mountain range, all the way across it. And, you know, and in between, it's more flat, but they're, you know, definitely uh, the more challenge, the most challenging part of that trip for me both times was Nevada because it was so remote and so mountainous. Whereas, you know, back when you're riding through Nebraska and, Kansas and in those areas it's pretty flat
0: Hmm. and you actually saw some people every once in a while (laughs) I mean back there we did Uh, Yes. yeah yeah. and uh well so your home state turned out to be the worst
2: but actually I consider it the best that was my favorite part
0: oh really oh wow okay because
2: it was the most remote and just a lot of there's a lot of the old remains of the Pony Express and the stage stations are still there, and a lot of history, um, Indian attacks and massacres. I know it sounds really, you know, kind of morbid, but the history is just—it's really interesting and, and a lot of neat stuff to learn about as you ride across it and realize that what you're seeing is very much what they saw. Back in you know eighteen sixty 1860 and eighteen sixty one as a pony express rider we're we're seeing the same territory because it's largely undeveloped, and you're experiencing a lot of what they experienced It's kind of like uh, i
0: assume pretty, i assume there was cool. no attacks you didn't need to get out your long rifle for anything uh along the way
2: no no the the worst was um, Dodging tornadoes back when we were in Nebraska, we had to. Oh, great. <laughs> um, we had to find a tornado shelter one night because there were tornadoes touching down all around us.
0: Oh geez, so,
2: that's a little unnerving. At you the know, beginning we, of
0: the ride, and I'm sure you went, "Oh God, we're starting with tornadoes. What's next?" You know.
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was so nice to get out of you know what we call tornado alley and get into Wyoming and and get out of that. Um, Risky area. <laughs> but yes, we got rained on and rode through mud and dealt with bugs and, you know, wind and heat and humidity and dryness and uh, just all all sorts of um, things. But it was a great adventure. Each time was a, a really a- incredible adventure that, you know, you're never the same again after you do something like that. It changes you.
0: Apparently not, because just playing the Google one this morning, I fell into a river. I hit a tree. I didn't pick up <laughs> half lying. the mail. I mean, I can I can relate now after playing that game this morning. I can truly relate. My well, let's talk
2: especially <laughs> you swallow up your horse.
0: <laughs> well, let's uh, let's introduce our next guest.
2: Okay, we have Dr. Jamie Kerr. He's a 1982 graduate of UC Davis. He's been vetting endurance rides ever since. Um, around 1986, he's also ridden Tevis, he's been the head vet there, and he's served on the vet committee. He's got nearly 5,000 miles himself, and he's going to tell us what
6: EDPP
2: means. Very good. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Thanks for joining us.
6: Thank you for having me.
2: Well, we're going to talk about um, something you're kind of famous for, the moniker of EDPP. So, uh, explain that, what that stands for.
6: That acronym uh, stands for Eating, Drinking, Peeing, and Pooping. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: Well, that could apply to most animals, right? I mean, any animal, including humans.
6: Absolutely. <laughs> Basic bodily function. Yeah, right? exactly. Yes.
0: <laughs> That's funny.
6: Okay, well, let's start off
2: with okay. the, the first one, eating.
6: Well, can I preface it by giving you a reason why it's important in endurance horses?
2: Definitely.
6: Sure? Yeah. Okay, so with endurance as a as a horse discipline, they spend a lot of time moving, Unlike, let's say, arena work where they're in the arena for 45 minutes to an hour, our horses are out on the trail for many, several hours. And so here's what happens physiologically with an endurance horse. Um, the, um, The work that they do, the muscle work that they do out on the trail generates heat. That heat has to be dissipated in two ways. One is sweating, of course which uh, they do profusely, and the other is respiration. Their respiration increases, and so to sort of blow off heat. So they dissipate the heat that's generated from the work they do by sweating, losing fluid and electrolytes, and by increasing their respiration. And so as a result of that, metabolically, if the writer isn't aware of that and monitoring the loss of of uh, elect fluid and electrolytes, an increase in respiration. If they're not careful, then they can get their horse metabolically compromised, which, of course, nobody uh, in our sport, I don't believe, intends to do. And so uh, and so, let's say you have someone that doesn't understand uh, the physiology of work, et cetera. And so at some point in my career, I, I, I came up with this acronym, that you could ask your horse, is my horse E-D-P-P? Is my horse eating, drinking, peeing, pooping as I'm going down the trail? Um, if if they monitor that, and if they are, then the horse is eating, and so they're replacing some of the energy and electrolyte needs that they have there. If they're drinking, they're certainly replacing the, the hydration aspect of the water lost in sweat. If they're... Um, uh, um, peeing, then they're hydrated enough that they can produce urine and they're expelling it. So that's a good sign. And if they're um, uh, pooping, of course, then that means their uh, intestinal tract is working, which is also very important uh, that the the fecal matter keeps moving through. they can get uh, quite dehydrated in their intestinal tract if they're not doing that. So if they're not doing any of those basic body, bodily functions, EDPP, then they could become compromised. And so if a rider is, is monitoring that as they're riding down the trail and as they're at the vet checks and and so on, then they can basically get an idea of how their horse is doing metabolically. And that's what it's all about. That's That's the primary... Thing that that uh, endurance riders are concerned about because that can result in significant uh, uh, health, metabolic health, and and even be very dangerous for the horse. And so that's that's basically what EDPP is. Now, to add to that, one other thing that I sort of came up with over the years is is counting swallows. One way that you can know how well your how how, um, how much your horse might be replacing some mm-hmm. of the fluids they're losing is by counting swallows. And I, I have done my own sort of study over the years with my own horse, and certainly uh, the American Association of Equine Practitioners, I'm going to say real scientists, have done studies as well. And what what all of those things come down to is approximately 30 swallows makes a gallon. Um, now, of course, think about ourselves. If we're really thirsty, we can take a big old drink, um, or we can just drink mm-hmm. slowly, smaller drinks. Well, horses do the same thing. When our horses put their head in a in a, in a in a in a large water tub, you might see them just really take a long drink. Well, obviously, that swallow um, has more volume than a shorter drink. When they're mm-hmm. drinking shorter, smaller swa- swallows, but in general. Uh, it works out to be, if you're counting swallows, about 30 swallows make a gallon. And so, and it's known by studies that have been done many years ago, um, that horses can lose on on a hot trail, depending on the temperature, relative temperature, the relative humidity, or ambient temperature, relative humidity, and how fit their horses and so on. Horses can lose up to two and a half. Gallons per hour, and Mm. so you know if your typical fifty mile ride, you know, takes six or eight hours um, to complete, then obviously they can lose a significant amount of uh, fluids and so on and so forth. And so by monitoring, uh, by counting swallows and monitoring your horses eating, drinking, peeing, pooping, you can get a good feel for how your horse might be doing metabolically. And so from a veterinary standpoint, to me, that's pretty important. Of course, from a rider's standpoint, from a, you know, good, good riders also take into account, is my horse moving freely down the trail or am I have to sort of put more leg on them to force him down the trail? That too might be an indication they're getting, that they're getting tired. And so all of those things uh, riders need to be aware of and most, I think, experienced endurance riders are. So that's it. I hope I haven't gone on too long.
2: oh no that's that's perfect so how much do you want to see a horse eat say during a vet check hold
6: well it depends often at the first vet check in the ride the horses are still pretty excited they're not tired and and one of the first things that happens is their gut sounds are sort of quiet at the first vet check Mm -hmm. but certainly by the second vet check um and and certainly at the hour hold you know you definitely want to see those signs increase. However, um, they, they need to be monitored carefully as you know Karen, uh, both high and low on each side of their abdomen and when veterinarians listen, listen to their gut sounds, we're picturing what part of the intestinal tract we should uh, be hearing at that point. Either high in their left flank, low in their left flank or uh, high and low on their right sides as well. So. Gut sounds is another little uh, indicator of how well hydrated the horse is. Initially, at the first vet check, they're excited. They haven't had time to sort of uh, begin to eat, drink, pee, and poop, and so their guts are kind of quiet. But certainly by the second vet check or the lunch vet check, you want to hear those sounds increase. And if they're not, the veterinarian tells the rider and, and uh um, uh, and they can, again, continue to monitor whether they're, they can slow down a little bit and also continue whether they're monitoring, uh, their are eating, drinking, peeing, poop, pooping during the vet check.
2: Okay, well, when they're peeing, um, tell us a little bit about what you want to look for there.
6: Okay, good. Good, good question. So, um, So, first of all, if they're significantly dehydrated, they may not be producing much urine. And so... Um, if they posture that is stretch out, act, if they posture like they're going to urinate, and 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 uh, essentially attempt to urinate but don't produce much or just dribble a little bit, then there's another indication that they're um, that they're fairly well uh, dehydrated, i.e. they're not so well hydrated that they're actually producing urine. And then of course, there you always want to look at the color. Um, you know, we have these funny things that we say we talk about these basic bodily functions, you mm-hmm. want to say, uh, you want to say, oh, good color, good volume, good flow. You don't want to see nice, normal, y- yellow, pale uh, urine. You want to see a good flow of urine, meaning the bladder was full and, and therefore they're hydrated enough to produce urine. But there's also you also get a clue about their muscles uh, with the color of their urine. For example, if they have, uh rhabdomyolysis which is sort of a um a tying we we know it as tying up or uh a muscle a severe muscle cramp and then um the muscle actually leak he uh um uh myoglobin which is the thing that makes muscles red and that gets into the uh, that's filtered by the kidneys and that gets into the into the urine and so the urine's gonna be not yellow as it should be but maybe a, a burgundy wine color, that would be bad, that would be quite significant, or mm-hmm. just sort of a, a reddish tinge to it. So look at monitoring the urine, most endurance riders look at their urine and say, oh, good color, good flow, good volume, and so on and so forth. So all of those things that we pay attention to in that EDPP scenario uh, have significance.
2: Right, I know a lot of times with my horses, if they're a little too wound up, they won't pee. You know, so um, having them Absolutely. pee shows that they're relaxing enough. You know, chilling out and, and being able to do it, which always makes me feel better when, when they when they do.
6: Absolutely, Karen, and and as we both know, you know they're excited typically for the first fifteen to twenty miles, and then they more or less. Are warmed up, they get in a groove, and so that's why. At, let's say at that next full vet check, that's when you want. That's when you want to see the meat. You want to see the urine, urinate, an and so on. So, yeah.
2: Okay. Well, how about um, tell us a little bit about the last one, the pooping. What do you want to see there?
6: Okay, the pooping. You know, the intestinal tract of the horse. There's about 120 feet of intestinal tract in the horse, and so that is a huge reservoir for water. Not only uh, in addition to fecal matter, of course. So um, again, when, they're, when, when they start out and begin that work, their intestinal, their gut sounds, the motility of the gut sort of uh, quiets down. But after they get warmed up and so on, um, then you want that you want that intestinal tract to stick back up and start to, um, uh, you know, start to have the fecal matter flow through normally. Now, if they're dehydrated, if they're not drinking and they're becoming dehydrated, then the body physiologically will pull water out of the intestinal tract. And again, there's a lot of water stored in that in that 120 feet of intestine, just to send it to the brain, to the heart, to the muscle uh, vessels, and so on and so forth. So, it, it, so again, a decrease uh, with poor, little to no gut sounds is a significant hydration parameter. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, boy, we just have to pay attention to all of those things. So that's how the pooping part is important, because if they're producing normal, moist-looking fecal balls, then you know what? The gut's okay, and they're... Uh, It means all systems are working and they're fairly well hydrated. But sometimes when they get somewhat dehydrated and have pulled some water out of that intestinal reservoir, uh, then their fecal balls become dry and sort of tight and and dry in appearance and even sticky sort of. Mm
1: -hmm. And
6: uh, so that's another little thing that we often look at. And in fact, an example of that is, Trailering to the ride can be a little bit stressful on the horses. So I always tell riders to look at the poop that's in the trailer once you arrive at the uh, at the ride site and see if those, if those fecal balls are normal, moist, green fecal balls, or are they dry and or mucus-coated, you know, indicating mm-hmm. that, boy, they've lost some hydration um, just in the form of trailering. So, again, <laughs> there's so many of these things. We never stop paying attention to detail about all of these parameters. And Karen, I know you know that, and, and, uh, uh, but that's important for all endurance riders, new and old, to never let their guard down. Monitor their EDCP, which mm-hmm. equates essentially to how well their horse is doing metabolically, in addition to what you feel between your legs, you know, riding down the trail.
0: What's the most common thing you see at a at a vet check? Is it, is it dehydration? Is it heart rate uh, as far as an issue?
6: Well, we see as we go from one vet check to the next in a ride, you can almost predict what you're going to see. And, and it's going to be like most things uh, when there's athletic competition. There's going to be sort of a bell curve. There's going to be horses that look great. They still have a lot of spunk. Uh, we have a saying, you can just look in their eye and tell how they're doing. You can look at how they move up. Are they walking up briskly or are they just sort of dragging their feet coming up to you, you know? And you, you get a feel for the rider, too. Is the rider getting tired or not? And so there's not one thing in particular that's most common, but certainly with each vet check, we veterinarians are looking and we're thinking to ourselves, okay, now we're 35 miles into the ride. Now we're, say uh forty five miles into the ride and and usually there's a group and you you see the front runners that tend on that bell curve that tend to look great and have a lot of spunk and the riders look fresh et cetera and then there's the the middle of the packers, as we say, and within that group there's the the front part of the middle pack group which are trying to catch up maybe with the with the uh front group. And so they, they those horses you got to look at carefully. And then there's the back of the packers where the people are getting tired, the horses are getting tired. And so you got to look at theirs carefully. And then there's the the last part curve either within the front runners, either within the middle group, et cetera, Where all of a sudden the horse comes in, their respiration is not coming down within five to ten minutes as it should. Their heart rate is staying, staying elevated because they're Heart is working stronger to push that blood through. They're sweating profusely. And sometimes they e- they even show overt pain by lying down and so on. Those are more obvious. I think what most of us um, endurance veterinarians try to do over time is recognize them right before they get in trouble. You know, we of course we have to be aggressive with treatment when horses come in and they're colicking or laying down in, in, in severe pain. But we want to try to catch them. Our goal... Is always to try to catch them right before they get to that point, to recognize them early. And I tell you, I've been vetting, vetting these endurance horses since 1986, and I never stop improving. I'm—I I mean, I'm trying to improve at, at doing that because sometimes they just get by, and it's—and that's and then it's disheartening, of course. But but that's um, those of us who love. This sport, and, and from a veterinary standpoint or as a rider standpoint, we always try to improve. I don't believe anybody goes to an endurance ride and intentionally hurts their horse, but sometimes they get fooled. And as a rider, I've gotten fooled with a horse I've had before. And, and, oh, my gosh, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. anyway. Right, you know, right. You
2: can't take anything for granted. That's why it's important right. to, to pay attention to the EDP. P. Well, Isn't thank you, Jamie, for e- joining e- us. We really e- appreciate e- it. EDPP. E- p- p.
6: You're welcome.
0: Thank yeah. you. Well, it's good to see a veterinarian that, after 30 years, is still very excited about his work. That's Dr. James Kerr, and you can tell the excitement in his voice. He he just looks forward to the, these rides as much as the riders do.
2: Right. The cheerful vet, it's always fun to have him on
3: a ride that we're riding.
0: Well, and you know you're gonna, you know, your horse isn't going to go through unless it's right. So that's that's good to see too. Exactly. And Jennifer, you'll have to use that one on uh, Horse Tip Daily. That was very good, Doctor James Kerr. Well, we are running out of time here, Karen. It's been a lot of fun here this morning. And what do we got coming up as far as your ride calendar is concerned?
2: Well, we have a lot of rides coming up, of course, with the weather warming up and spring well underway. Um, To check rides in your area, you can go to AERC.org or directly to the calendar at AERConline.org. And also check the AERC website for a list of the ongoing educational clinics. They've got them popping up all over, Endurance 101 and 201, and um, they've also got some Beyond the Basics uh, clinics and they're a great way to go and learn if you're interested in endurance riding or if you're already experienced. You may want to um, give the person hosting the clinic a call up and see if they need any help.
0: Very good. And uh, if you want to see Karen's horse, bow all dressed up and ready for the Rose Bowl Parade, if they get selected, you can go to Karen's Facebook page. She has some pictures there. Looks very good. Looks official. Ready to go. Yes. I love the breeches. He's very handsome.
2: <laughs> yeah, where,
0: where'd you get the breeches? Um,
2: crazy legs tights. Diane Stevens uh. made them for the the parade group, and um, yes, they're very nice. And they even have belt loops on them, so those of us with Tavis buckles can wear our Tavis buckle. And um, my friend Kayla, that that you'll see on Bo, is wearing her Tavis buckle, and Bo is wearing his on his forehead.
0: I saw that. I saw that. I thought that's what that was. That's That's a cool
3: cool. idea, though, for the belt buckles. That's a cool idea. Hey,
2: if anyone deserves to wear that thing, it's the horse. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There
0: you go. (laughs) That's a great idea, though. That worked really well. If you want to see those pictures we're talking about, head over to Karen Chatton, C-H-A-T-O-N, uh, her Facebook page. She has them up there. Plus, you can also find Karen. She has one of the most popular blogs in the endurance world. What's that?
2: At KarenChatton.com.
0: KarenChatton.com. Well, thank you so much, Karen, for joining us, or joining us again today. I really enjoyed hearing about your rides that you did uh, earlier this month as well as as well as the Google ride, uh, which is now Uh known as, from henceforth, uh, the Pony Express ride. (laughs) And it looked, man, I have seen so many horse people posting that Google thing now. Uh, Everybody's playing the Google thing. I think they're so excited that there's a horse on Google.
2: I just hope we have better steering on our real horses. (laughs) I know.
0: (laughs) I know. I couldn't get, and the other thing I couldn't get it to do was like slow down or, uh, Uh -uh. (laughs) you, you know, it doesn't slow down. It goes one speed and that's it. (laughs) <laughs> yes.
2: How many times did you get dunked in the water trough?
0: <laughs> oh, plenty. And and the, the stream Me and do. the bridge and you know every the tr- I've hit a bunch of trees too because I tried to go for all of the mail instead of just select mail and because uh-huh. I wanted to be a good mail carrier and that doesn't work by the way. You cannot be a good mail <laughs> carrier. No. <laughs> you just have to pick your mail you, you, yeah i uh, i i want a,
3: I want the app for this particular game usually those little things on google don't do much for me but this one i want i want the app i could waste a lot
0: kind of time on really that cute. one it's really <laughs> cute <laughs> <laughs> well, Google made our morning. Thank you so much, Google. You uh, can find all of the past episodes that Karen has done at the morning. dot com. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook at Horses in the Morning, and you can ha- uh, get our app, the iOS or Android. You had a question on your page. I noticed this morning. I tried to answer for the lady. Um, when I say that you can you cannot listen to this show live on our app but you can get the recorded version. You listen to this show live on our website at horsesinthemorning.com is where the link is for that. But you can listen to the recorded version of this episode about an hour after it ends. Uh, You'll find it on our app, iPhone or Android. Just search for Horse Radio Network, and it's the Horses in the Morning show. It's one of eight different shows that's on the app. So I hope that clarifies for everybody. Uh, You just can't listen to us live on the app, that's all. The technology is just not there to do that. We wish you could, but you can't. Uh, And that's it. Thank you so much, Karen, and we'll see you again the next month. All right. See you then. Be safe, everybody. Wear your helmets.